We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're reacting to week 16 on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Week 16 is finishing up as we record this, almost at the finish line in many fantasy leagues, about one week to go. Crazy to believe that it's here. Hope you, uh, all the listeners, had uh, a nice holiday season. Hope you did as well, Curtis. How are you doing, my friend? Oh man. Um, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, had a great holiday season, uh, with the family. Uh, my wife surprised me with, um, just this Cadillac version of a smoker, like a barbecue smoker. Oh, nice. Um, it like, it, it's like one of the things where you're like, yeah, I'd like to buy that someday. Um, but she bought it for me like unexpectedly, uh, as a present. And, uh, so I actually made dinner for the family, uh, and it's tonight and I am, uh, very, very happy, uh, to have a new toy. I don't buy like toys for myself ever because I'm past that point in my life and all the toys we like, as we get older, Dave, they get more expensive. Um, uh, but, yes. but my wife surprised me. So that, so that was pretty cool. You know, and then I've been playing a lot of, you know, Nintendo and building, you know, lots of stuff with, you know, a thousand small plastic parts for the last three or four days, which I'm sure you can relate to. Oh, I mean, you may have cut out there at the end. Oh, uh, yeah. I was saying, I'm sure you can relate to putting together uh, small toys with like a thousand plastic parts. I've been doing a lot of that lately as well. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, lots of <laughs> lots of parts. A lot of looking for batteries, yeah. trying to find the right size. Uh, oh, but- <laughs> yeah. That's the worst. You get the random toy that takes like a C. Like, no, you never have C batteries. And of course, you get like one toy that needs like six of them. So you can't even buy one pack. You got to buy two and have the leftovers. Um but yeah, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, just finishing week 16 and I know we're going to talk about a couple of the teams that we want to highlight and, you know, highlight our player of the week, our snooze of the week, but just a quick check in on the performance of team Rotoviz, Dave, because this ownership group, uh, as well as a couple of our featured writers just lining up to have a really exciting end to end of the season here. So um, I know why don't, why don't you kick it off? I know you've got a, a team that looks very live in the puppy three over on underdog. Yeah. So barring um, 
an explosion here by Alvin Kamara, it's looking like I will have one team that I feel pretty good about advancing into the finals of the puppy three and a team that I think should do pretty good next week if it makes it through. Uh, and then a couple other long shots, but that one I'm feeling pretty good about. I think it's probably going to make its way through. I know you're doing pretty good too in the underdog streets. You just need one bullet, Dave. Just need one bullet. Sounds like you're going to have one. Um, team Rotovis is going to have another one. So actually in the, uh, in the, in best ball mania two, uh, in the, in the big tournament for a million dollars, a million and one dollars. Um, I was, I was 13 points from, well, I was, I guess six points shy from CD lamb of actually putting two teams into the final one sixty. Wow. Um, I'm, uh, yeah. So that was highly disappointing. I mean, the Cowboys had the offensive explosion, but I thought, I could get 13 points from CD lamb last night and it just didn't happen. Um, but I am going to have one team through, uh, that's healthily ahead. There's nothing that can be done in this Monday night football game to, uh, take that ticket away. So I'll have a one and one, one and one sixty chance in a million, uh, next week, which is pretty crazy. And then we have a team that's, um, co-owned by Sean Blair and Colm. Um, that's going to be in the final 12 of the FFPC, uh, best ball tournament, they're going to have a one in 12 crack at a hundred K Dave, which is super exciting. Yeah, that is. And then, and then our very own Connor O'Driscoll also, uh, I believe putting a team through, uh, into the main event final week, uh, look, looking very live, I guess, uh, in, in, the in the latter stages of the main event. So lots of team Rotoviz squads, um, looking like they could bring home a, a major prize, which is just a repeat of last year. Um, we had so much success on FFPC and it's, it's just great when it lines up, you know, that the advice that we're giving, we take ourselves and then, and then we, you know, outperform the competition. It feels, it feels really great. So hopefully we've got some listeners in a similar, uh, position. Yes. And listeners, don't be afraid to, uh, write us in, let us know, uh, you know, cause a lot goes, lot goes into, writing these articles each week, uh, you know, building out these tools. So it's always awesome to hear, uh, you know, from listeners that are, you know, getting the rewards from uh, taking in everything that we provide throughout the whole year, really. But uh, on that note, Curtis, I think that we can get into the player of the week. Who do you have for us? There's a couple great candidates, um, but it's got to go. It's got to go to T Higgins. Um, he was the, the most impressive Bengal. Um, I, I, I considered Joe Burrow, um, Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase also great, but T Higgins, man, um, just continues to light the world uh, ablaze over the last five or six weeks, 13 targets, 12 receptions for 194 yards and a pair of touchdowns turns in 43.4 PPR 37.4 half PPR in one of the most you know pivotal weeks of the fantasy season. Um, but yeah, shout, shout out to Joey Burrow too, for setting all kinds of franchise records with, you know, 525 passing yards as well. Uh, you could basically point your finger in any direction, select a Bengal and it's a safe play for player of the week. Who's the snoozer, Dave? Oh boy. Uh, the snoozer is going to be one that I feel like will hurt a lot of people that had high hopes heading into the season. And this really just, uh, you know, pushed them into tears. Saquon Barkley had 15 rushing attempts, manages just 32 yards, one reception for minus four yards. And uh, that comes out to about 3.8 fantasy points. Curtis, not what you like to see 
for a player that you might have hoped would be the guy helping you bring home a championship in what I think is going to be go down as another disappointing season for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I, yeah. If you're a if you're a Giants fan, you like to see the GM gone, but to bring Danny Dimes and Joe Judge back, I, it's it's hard to be super optimistic about 2022. So, um, and and Saquon is just you know. I think he's experiencing symptoms of a much larger problem uh, in New York. And, you know, and then of course it is the this, this season just once removed from his major injury. And, you know, a lot of times there's a, there's a season between, um, you know, that full recovery. So hopefully we can see him return to his rookie form in 2022, but it seems like maybe he's running out of, you know, yes. sand in his hourglass as well. Yeah. So that is going to be a major topic to be revisited many times, likely in the coming months but let's just hit some game notes right now as always we will start in the nfc and the detroit lions lost another game but i wanted to take a minute here and talk about amon raw st brown uh, who mm. in that game against atlanta saw 11 targets nine receptions 91 yards had a receiving touchdown also saw two rushes for 19 yards finishes with 26 PPR points since week 10, Curtis, he has been the wide receiver 14 is seeing 8.5 targets per game. Uh, Josh Reynolds, number two wide receiver on the team in that stretch at 5.5. Uh, Reynolds has had an air yard share of 35, but the air yard share of uh, 25.6 for St. Brown comes in uh, just a little bit behind, uh, but he leads the Detroit receivers in Whopper by a pretty substantial margin. And I just think it's notable that despite playing in a team that has been struggling uh, as a rookie, we've now seen St. Brown, especially in recent, uh, especially in recent games, really cement himself as having a pretty solid rookie campaign. And he looks like a player to be excited about heading into next season. I think when you look at uh, the Lions in terms of offensive talent that they have there, obviously you're still going to have Swift at the top of that list when healthy. Uh, and then it's going to be Hawkinson and St. Brown. And I think that could be something that we see going forward. You know, St. Brown was a guy that we talked about heading into the season that looked like there was a wide range of outcomes. It's good to see him start to realize uh, you know, kind of that higher level outcome. So I'm pretty excited about him. Just wanted to uh, share a couple of notes on him there. Yeah, it's his third straight week with more than 15 PPR. And, you know, despite not really being a super exciting offense, kind of reminds me of another receiver who was a rookie in 2020 um, that doesn't necessarily have like all of the eye popping highlight plays and was on an under the radar offense, but is really putting it together this year as a back end wide receiver too unexpectedly is Michael Pittman Jr. And, you know, I, I still don't think Pittman is probably a true fantasy alpha, but he's like, like good enough to be he's good enough to, to be featured on the offense as, um, you know, dependable, reliable chain mover. And I think St. Brown definitely profiles the same way. And so, you know, looking at him as a high end wide receiver four, low end wide receiver three for the season. And then, you know, probably going to finish on a heater over the final final six weeks of the season as a wide receiver too, um, you know, could really be primed for some big things. So if, you know, if you draft, I don't think he's a player that you necessarily go trade for, and dynasty, uh, because, you know, his owners are, you know, definitely 
appreciating the dart throw uh, playing out. But if you do have St. Brown on your squad, you know, maybe you feel like, Hey, you've got some actual um, asset there uh, as a pass catcher rather than just, you know, a dart throw that you still know nothing about in year one. For sure. So what do you have uh, uh, for us over in the AFC? So I did not know what to expect in, in you know the other side of this uh, Bengals explosion were the Baltimore Ravens and they had you know Josh Johnson 35 year old Josh Johnson more power to you but um and you know you still saw the pass catchers really step it up and you know the game script was such that you know they were trailing and you know they had to throw the ball a lot um but it was really refreshing to still see the team you know, kind of feature Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, um, despite, you know, only 10 days of experience on the roster for, for Johnson. But, but I did, um, I did want to highlight, um, James Proche, or was it Proche? I never remember, uh, how Travis May told me to say it a couple years ago, but James Proche, I'm going to say that. And, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, eight targets. And, you know, I wonder if it's a little bit of the backup connection, uh, from the first week of practice, maybe that Johnson had, but caught seven balls for 76 yards. Um, Rashad Bateman also had, you know, a, it looked like he was going to be featured in the game, um, featured heavily in, in one drive, ends up just having, um, you know, the four receptions uh, on five targets, but did score a touchdown. Um, so, but it, it gives a little bit of, um, it sheds a little bit of light onto what all of these pass catchers are capable of absent a run game at all, because Johnson didn't bring the same dynamic as Lamar. Um, and I, I just really want to tip the cap. I think you're, you know, closing on the Ravens to Mark Andrews, just, you know, third yes. quarterback he's played with this year really looks like just a, a true elite uh, asset. I, I would expect him to definitely be, you know, firmly, you know, firmly cemented in the, you know, back half of the second round of, of redraft uh, drafts in 2022. And, you know, he is probably the best bet, he's probably a safer bet even than Kyle Pitts as the overall dynasty uh, tight end one was still having the the age on his side and a little bit more of a dependable, uh, I guess, or predictable quarterback situation when we don't really know what's going to be happening in Atlanta moving forward. Um, so Mark Andrews uh, really looks like he is legitimate at this point. Yeah. It's been really impressive what he's done across his career. If you look at uh, his three most recent seasons has been a tight end one in 63% of games, a tight end two uh, in 19% of games. So, you know, almost 80 per more than 80% of the time, actually, Curtis, you're getting a pretty solid game out of Andrews this year um, ranks first among tight ends in air yards, second in total touchdowns, uh, second in receiving yards, first in receptions two in expected points per game. And he's still managed to be efficient with multiple quarterbacks at three in fantasy points over expectation per game. So it's really hard to downplay just how good he's been before we move off of Baltimore though. I have to read down Josh Johnson's list of teams starting with his professional <laughs> career in 20. Oh, uh, so he was drafted in 2008 by the Bucks, then went to San Francisco, Sacramento Mountain Lions, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, back to the 49ers, back to the Bengals, then to the Jets, Colts, Bills, Ravens, Giants, Texans, Raiders, San Diego Fleet, Washington, Detroit, Los Angeles Wildcats, a third stint with the 49ers, then a second stint with the Jets, and now his second stint 
with the Ravens. What a resume. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, he's he's like uh, the Josh McCown that just never, ever got the playing time. You know, I think McCown, McCown's the only other player I can think of that's played for so many NFL franchises. <laughs> yeah, that is absurd. Uh, so the second team I wanted to move to here uh, was Washington in the NFC. And I just wanted to revisit Antonio Gibson, who's come up a couple of times this year. I just wanted to focus on his last seven games. Uh, and these are notable because we have not seen J.D. McKissick at this point since week 12. Last seven games for Gibson, 126 attempts and 28 targets. Only a handful of players have seen more opportunity. He's had five total touchdowns in that time. Among running backs, he's been fifth in total uh, PPR. High value touches earlier on in the year were something that he was not seeing enough of largely because McKissick was seeing so many receptions and also managing to get some looks in the green zone as a result of the team looking for him as a receiver across the last seven games. Gibson ranks seventh in high value touches. Uh, He's been an RB one now in four out of his last seven games. And this is just something that speaks to the potential that we have talked about going all the way back to the beginning of the year, where we questioned who had more dynasty value, Gibson or Harris. I would say I'm still uh, of the opinion that it's going to be Harris and it should be Harris. But, um, you know, Gibson has really turned things around. We saw him fail to have an RB1 performance until week 10 against Tampa Bay after the team's bye. Since then... Um, he has, so actually let me split it like this weeks one through eight. We saw Antonio Gibson averaging 12.5 PPR weeks nine through 16. He is at, um, give me one second here. He's at 16.9. So that's a pretty tremendous jump more in line with what we would have expected from him. He's now 12th in expected points per game has had an inefficient season at 115 in fantasy points over expectation per uh, per game, but it's fourth in opportunities, fourth in attempts, 
what this looks to me it, like is a player that we might see go a little bit undervalued in drafts. And if he sees a similar workload can be more efficient next year could be the year that he really smashes. Yeah. It'll kind of be like uh, what happened with David Montgomery uh, where he was supposed to break out, you know, a year earlier, didn't then became a value and finished as the overall, you know, running back three uh, in 2020. I could see Gibson having a very similar uh, season next year, you know, got to figure that, you know, Washington football team is going to upgrade at quarterback. Uh, they should have more health at, you know, wide receiver other than Terry McLaurin. They're going to find another solution, whether it's, you know, uh, DME Brown, um, actually staying healthy for, uh, a material portion of the season or, you know, going somewhere else. It doesn't look like Curtis Samuel is going to be the, uh, the solution there. But even, you know, think about that team missing Logan Thomas for a major stretch of the season just didn't really go, uh, the way that WFT wanted it to. Yep. And there's a lot of reason to think that, you know, maybe that whole squad could look better which should lead to better overall scoring opportunities for uh, Gibson. So I actually appreciate that highlight because now looking at his uh, output in the weekly stat explorer, uh, which is, uh, you know, just one of the kind of the, the applets within the greater overall app of the NFL stat explorer, the four out of the last six weeks, 18.5 PPR or more, and uh, actually crested 22 PPR in, in two out of the last six contests. So definitely high-end output in RB1 for the uh, four of the past six weeks. Yeah, for sure. So definitely a player that we'll have to keep paying attention to. And as you mentioned, if the team could make some upgrades, I think that there's some exciting pieces there uh, for fantasy as we look forward. We'll have to see how that develops. But if we head back over to the AFC, what do you have for us? Yeah, I wanted to tip my cap to Michael Carter, um, looking healthy again uh, in New York. And it took, I wanted to go into the game splits app and just kind of see what's happened when he's been healthy enough for a larger workload, um, what he's really been doing because, you know, this week 16 output was really impressive. 16 carries, 118 rushing yards, did not have a touchdown, did get three targets, which is, you know, kind of that bare minimum we like to see for a player. Um, This can have a lot of uh, fantasy upside, four or five, obviously being better. But when you uh, split it out, you know, in games where he gets 10 or more carries, which is I mean, a low bar to clear, it just seems like a player that needs a little bit of time to get amped up. But it also that's kind of a, a bar that you set where it's like, all right, he was the team's feature back in that game. Um, the, you know, just go into that double digit carry because you also see the targets higher in all of those contests. So in, in seven of his 11 appearances this year has at least 10 or more carries. Averaging 16.01 PPR in those contests, which, you know, paces for 256 over the course of a traditional uh, season, you know, that's high end, that's high end output. I mean, that is low, low end RB1 um, or, you know, RB1 to borderline output. Uh, He's averaging nearly six targets a game. Um, in those contests where he has been featured, um, pacing for nine rushing, uh, rushing touchdowns and does not actually have uh, a receiving touchdown despite uh, his involvement in that, um, aspect of, of the Jets offense. So all, uh, this is another team where, you know, they hit on Elijah Moore. It looks like they hit on Michael Carter. They don't know what they have in Zach Wilson. Um, but I would expect him to get another season, uh, you know, maybe with a little bit more stability to prove himself, but maybe they bring in a better backup. And I, I just find it hard to think that Michael Carter's situation, team situation wouldn't improve in 2022 as well. So definitely a player I've got my eye on. And, uh, it really looks like both he and Javante Williams coming out of, uh, UNC 
you can kind of see why that team uh, leaned towards featuring Carter because he definitely, you know, looks as useful uh, at the NFL level as Javante Williams, you know, different types of players, obviously. And, and we really like Williams, but Carter, um, you know, looks like a stalwart in his, in his own regard. Yeah. So I think to your point, it is, um, it is pretty compelling what both of these backs have done now coming out of UNC heading into the draft. There was a lot of discussion about which player actually was better as we've seen Williams performing pretty well. Uh, you know, if we could continue to get Carter in an offense that can take, take steps forward, it should be interesting to see what he can do there. If we make our way back over to the NFC, the final team that I wanted to revisit here uh, was the Atlanta Falcons. And if you look at their wide receiver core, really the player that has stepped up uh, to join Kyle Pitts as the most utilized player across the team's last six games really has been Russell Gage. This offense now from a passing standpoint really has largely run through Gage and Pitts. In the last six games, 50 targets for Gage, a target share of 28.1. Pitts is the closest player behind him at 20.8 with 37 targets. Uh, then you have Zacchaeus with 18 targets, Tajay Sharp with 15, Hayden Hurst with five. If you remember, one of the things that I was picking on this team for was its lack of passing touchdowns produced. And it's still struggling in that measure. But you see Russell Gage with two of the receiving touchdowns out of the four across the last six weeks, Hayden Hurst stealing the other two from Kyle Pitts, if you will. Uh, so we still see a low number of touchdown passes coming out of there, but really just controlled by Gage and Hurst. Uh, in terms of air yards, uh, Kyle Pitts leading the team, one more air yard than Russell Gage, an air yard share for these players, both of around 33. Gage, though, with the best warper on the team at 0.65, followed by Pitts at 0.54. And then in terms of fantasy points across the last six games, you have Russell Gage at 90, Kyle Pitts at 58. So my larger takeaway from this as we start to move into next season is that Kyle Pitts will remain heavily involved. We'll have to see what shakes out at the wide receiver position in terms of Calvin Ridley potentially returning. Perhaps the team looks to bring in another body at wide receiver, uh, perhaps use the draft to address the position. But it is looking like when Ridley is not available, Gage slots in as the number two behind him. But I think in 2021, it's really going to be Pitts and Ridley followed by the number three if we do see Ridley get back. But I guess hats off to Russell Gage, a player that has had a couple of hard matchups that I've been hard on in my wide receiver uh, cornerback matchup article has proven me wrong a couple of times, somewhat based upon the fact that the Falcons just need to rely on him. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we will see Calvin Ridley back next season. Yeah, I mean, in the last 10 weeks, if you extrapolate uh, or, or not extrapolate, if you draw from a larger sample for Russell Gage, two wide receiver, one weeks, three wide receiver, two weeks, I mean, 50 percent uh, of games over that stretch, he's you know finishing as a wide receiver, two or better. Um, you know, dating back to when Ridley said, hey, I think I'm done, you know, this year we did talk about if we were going to spend any fab on, on a Falcons player, who would it be? We, we talked about gauge. We talked about Zacchaeus. We landed on gauge. 
because we didn't, we just didn't think that, you know, making a move for Pitts was practical. Um, and you know, it's nice to see that play out. Um, I do think he will probably be overdrafted in early best ball drafts in 2022, because if you look at the beginning of the season, you know, when Ridley was, uh, was still active and, you know, really before Pitts had even broken out or the team even knew what it had and, and, uh, Cordero Patterson, yep. um, no, no fantasy points in week one, really not involved and just 7.8 in week two. Then of course he, he missed uh, a handful of games from week three to uh, week six. Um, but it, you know, it is, it is nice for him. And if nothing else, he's probably earned his keep in the NFL. He's going to be around the league for, you know, a while longer now having kind of uh, proven his medal. So uh, good for Gage. It's nice to see players make the most of their opportunities. For sure. What do you have uh, for us in the AFC to close things down for the week? Well, you know, it's, it's really nice when, uh, you know, it's, t- it's probably too little too late uh, <laughs> because a lot of his teams have been eliminated, but it is nice when, you know, a stud that's been out for a long time comes back and just, you know, explodes because, you know, you talked about Saquon Barkley and, you know, people paid stud rates for him this season and they didn't get much for that. Well, AJ Brown, AJ Brown's been out for, you know, a a very, very uh, large portion of the season. Now, you know, with that chest injury, he comes back uh, 16 targets, 11 receptions, 145 yards and a touchdown, just absolutely dominating every aspect of the Titans receiving game, a 53% target share in week, uh, week 16. That's just an insane number. 188 air yards, a 77% air yard share for the team. I mean, it was very clear. I mean, Everyone knew AJ Brown was getting all the targets um, as soon as that game kicked off and San Francisco just did not have an answer. So it was nice to see AJ Brown dominate when everyone was expecting him to get the ball throws up 31.5. So if you were lucky enough um, or skilled enough to make it to your fantasy semifinal, despite not having AJ Brown at your disposal, uh, for most of the season, you definitely made your fantasy championship, uh, or I would at least be shocked if you did not, if you had the guts to start him, um, after he'd been out for so long. So, uh, love to see that. And I think my last note on the Titans is, you know, this team looks poised to be like the number two seed in the AFC, despite losing Derrick Henry who was on pace to probably set a new NFL rushing record. And and it's just one of those things where, you know, when he went down, we kind of lamented over the fact that, you know, we felt like we were missing out on something that could have been really special this season. If he can somehow come back, like, I don't think they're going to get the one seed, but if they could just win one game, I just wonder if he would be able to suit it up in the second round of the playoffs. Um, they, I don't think they've ruled it out. He didn't have, uh, well, he did have surgery, but it was like a 10 week return. And so that, that's just something like non fantasy wise. And I'm just really interested to see is Henry going to try to make a go of it. If the Titans last long enough into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that really would be something to see. I think just as a fan watching the NFL, you hope that that is able to happen because 
to have two of the most dominant players at their position on the field at the same time, too, in the playoffs just seems a lot of fun. Because the points about A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown has quickly become one of those players that when they're on the field, the defense can only hope to stop them. One of the you know most gifted wide receivers in the league, I think, and that just bears out every time he's in. Like you said, even when it is clear to everybody that he is going to be the guy, teams just, he's, you know, is a lot like, feels to me, like Julio Jones, who he's playing alongside on this team now, one of those guys that it's just, there's only so much you can do to stop them. So, you know, hopefully heading into next year, you'll have a fully healthy Derrick Henry. And I think that uh, Tennessee will be one of those really fun teams to watch each week and also from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, no doubt, Dave. Um, hey, best of luck to your puppy three team as <laughs> as we head into uh, as we head into you know this is the money week, man. It's the money week, and you know we have a lot of overlap on on these team rotavis squads, obviously, but you know different you know I think different concoctions of uh, of players you know from you know, our larger, uh, draft worthy list, uh, we've got different iterations. And so I don't think there's, there's probably not a path where I win, you win Sean and Colm and Blair win, but I'm just hoping for team Rotovis to take down at least one title. And then, um, we haven't checked in on this squad in a couple of weeks, but did want to update the listeners. It does look like barring, um, an absolute insane second half from the new Orleans saints defense. And I'm talking like maybe multiple, uh, (laughs) multiple additional defensive touchdowns. I will be facing the one and only Mr. AJ Dillon in the finals of the 2021 sleeper bowl. So me versus AJ Dillon and winner is given five figures uh, to a charity of his choice. And so, you know, we'll have to talk about that amongst the ownership team. Who does team Rotovis want to bless, uh, you know, this, this season, um, you know, with some dollars, because uh, I, I don't plan on, Hey, listen, I don't plan on losing to AJ Dillon. Um, I would lose to him in almost anything you could dream up that required any bit of physical skill because he's just such a dominating person. But fantasy is one area where, you know, I, th- I think I can take him. So uh, that's going to be really fun. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that team. And then we'll have to check in on our dynasty squads as well and uh, see what the trophy count looks like at the end of the week, Dave. Yeah, for sure. So we will be back multiple times this week. I apologize, everybody. I had something come up last week at the last minute that prevented me from being here. Uh, but you can expect some more coverage in what will be the final week of fantasy for the year for many of you out there. As always, appreciate everybody listening and we will see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 